Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Let's face it, in today's uncertain times, simple conversations about your health can have powerful results. There's something you are likely eating every day. It can negatively affect your waistline, complexion, and overall health. On the Dr. Gundry Podcast, Stephen Gundry, a renowned cardiothoracic surgeon and New York Times best-selling author, cuts through the BS to help you make better health choices. You have the ability to heal yourself if you give yourself the right ingredients to do it with. Dr. Gundry has spent the last 20 years empowering people around the world to help reverse and prevent some of our most serious ailments through the power of diet and lifestyle changes. You will change 90% of you. You will be a brand new you. Tune in to the Dr. Gundry Podcast to start your health journey. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Because I'm Dr. Gundry, and I'm always looking out for you. Perhaps you feel down or off or not entirely yourself. Easy to blame what's going on in the world and the news. But some of your negative feelings may actually be caused by gut problems. Serotonin, of course, is a chemical that's important for mood. And about 90% of the serotonin in our body is found in our gut. This means that if your gut health is off, you may not feel as, well, positive as you normally do. When you're taking care of your gut, you'll be amazed how much better you can feel. Here's how. Start taking Cognibiotics, the breakthrough mood-enhancing formula made by Bioptimizers. Formula starts with a solid foundation of prebiotics and probiotics to support gut health. And it does not stop there. Cognibiotics also includes 17 powerful herbs that are thought perhaps to enhance mood, manage stress, improve memory. If you think about it, Cognibiotics is also like two supplements in one because it supports your brain health through two different channels. And here's the best part. Cognitive Biotics comes with a one-year full money-back guarantee. So I encourage you to try it risk-free and see for yourself. Simply go to Cognibiotics.com slash Drew and use Dr. Drew to receive 10% off any order. Again, that is Cognibiotics, C-O-G-N-I, like cognition, C-O-G-N-I-B-I-O-T-I-C-S, Cognibiotics.com slash Drew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We're going to do a little call-in show today just to answer your questions, most of the show today. And uh, thank you very much for supporting the people who support the podcast. And uh, do check me out uh, on – let's see. We've been uh, trying to build a YouTube page, but we're afraid that we're going to be censored there. So we prefer you go to Facebook slash Dr. Drew. You can sign up at YouTube, Dr. Drew. And if you also sign up at drdrew.locals.com, you don't have to be a member there. You just get on the email list and then I communicate with you if the uh, – should the YouTube phase get uh, deplatformed, which I'm being threatened with constantly for daring to talk about my experience with COVID? Uh, also, we're at Twitch uh, at Dr. Drew TV. It's at twitch.tv. And uh, let's see, where else are we? Twitch, uh, Periscope. You can follow me at Periscope as well. Uh, and again, thanks for supporting the people who support the pod. And uh, do check out the streaming show every day that we do. And uh, don't forget about After Dark. Right now, let's go and talk to Nick. Nick, what's going on? Dr. Drew, hey, good to talk to you. Yeah, buddy. Um, love all your shows. The YMH family, just love you. I loved you for a long time. Thank you, Queen um, Above 18. <laughs> uh, question, King Above 18. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, question about phimosis. Yeah. Um, I'm uncircumcised, and um, I never really have been able to pull the skin back over the head of my penis, but right. it, it, it doesn't cause me any problems. Like, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, is, is that something I need to... Look into having fixed. Well, I can do. if if it is, I mean, obviously, a circumcision will take care of it. Are, are you you're uncircumcised, right? 
Correct. Yeah. And so phimosis is a narrowing of the the foreskin around the head of the penis, either uh, so that the head of the penis just can't get out, or if it does come out, it kind of it really strangulates it. It can be very uncomfortable. Or if you force it out, you tear the foreskin, which causes it to scar more and narrow even more. And so the, the, if you're going to do something about it, the only thing really is a circumcision. But if it's not giving you any symptoms, I mean, does it ever cause like a hygiene problem since you can't get in there? No, I mean I can get, I can get in there. I mean I can like stick a finger in there and clean that way. But yeah, just as far as no, it's ne- it's never caused me any problems. And it's always been that way. Yeah. No, no insensitivity or in, that you have children. I'm hearing in the background. <laughs> yeah, Obviously, it work work just fine. So yeah, it really is. It's I I don't know of any medical reason other than hygiene and yeast infections and stuff like that, a skin irritation, whatnot. I don't know of any. Um, I guess there's one uh, medical reason where there's less HPV transmission and less HIV transmission in a circumcised male, but that's not unique to the phimosis. That's just generally something the World Health Organization says. But if it's not giving you symptoms, I mean, you don't have to worry about it, right? Okay. All right. Good to know. All right, man. See Thanks, you. Uh Here is uh, Michael. Michael, you have Lynch syndrome, Michael, right? Yes, I do. Do you know what type? Uh, I am not aware that there are multiple types. There's, uh, I believe, six different types, uh, and I'm what's called an MSH6. Uh, have you had any manifestations from it yet? Uh, not necessarily. I went and I've already on, I'm already on a screening profile or protocol, I guess, uh-huh. and so I've already had my first colonoscopy as a result, and I'm in my late 30s, so obviously an early one, but with Lynch. They start earlier, yeah. And Lynch, they, they found start around polyps and uh, biopsy, and they said precancerous, but not cancerous. Oh so goodness. they want to do another one in a few months. Isn't that uh, interesting? So that you're you're have did did was there colon cancer early on your grandparents or father or anything? Uh, not that I know of. My de- my father and two of his three brothers have had prostate cancer uh-huh. and prostatectomy. Fascinating. And how did you get the diagnosis of Lynch? Uh, my parents actually went in for genetic testing for the BRCA gene because it runs in my mother's family. Huh. They tested both parents and they do a full screening for a ton of different things, found Lynch and my father, and had my sisters and I get tested. Fascinating. Anybody else have it? Uh, one of my sisters does, I do, and the two others do not. So, you know, for women, it also increases the risk of endometrial cancer, right? Yes, absolutely. So she All may... three of my sisters are in, in the age where they're having kids, and they're on a very careful screening protocol as Great. a result. Crazy, yeah. We, we didn't even, wouldn't even have identified you even maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but now we do these, ge- these genetic screens. And it's, in fact, if anyone is interested, I didn't know I had Lynch syndrome. I just was, uh, my sister, I think, got a general screen, and she turned up with it, so I did one. Then uh, for, I think, about $200, you can get the 30 most common predisposing genes to cancer, essentially, uh, at color.com, C-O-L-O-R.com. And then if you're positive, they'll test your first-degree relatives for just $50. So they tested my kids, and two of my sons end up having it. So they started their Lynch screening at age 28, which uh, they loved, which is awesome, for colonoscopies at age 28. And uh, you're going to have to get them every year, Right. I I also feel like I'm a special case because I'm on testosterone replacement therapy. Have they discussed that with you? 
Yes, they have. I mean, obviously, we're watching PSA and and a few things associated with that. And the the uh, therapy clinic actually has someone who specializes in Lynch syndrome and TRT. But um, I know that TRT and risks of prostate cancer don't exactly go so well together. And so I'm a little uh, worried about the two of those you know, having Lynch and being on TRT because I got blown up a bunch of times in Afghanistan and my testosterone levels when I got tested were in were below 200 consistently, sometimes below 100. Got it. Were you on opiates when that when you were tested? No. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you have every reason to take TRT. Uh, and again, the 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 association between testosterone given in physiological doses and prostate cancer is not that clear. In fact, even in men taking excess testosterone, it's not that clear. What's, what they worry about is testosterone in the setting of prostate cancer increasing the risk of metastasis. That, that's more the issue. But as long as you're being monitored carefully and everyone is signed off on you being on the TRT, I think you're okay to stay on it as long as you don't take high doses. No, I think I I think my blood tests usually come back at like eight fifty. That's high. Yeah, it's good. That's high-ish, but that's all right. Uh, so so uh, good for you. I mean, I'm glad you thank you for your service, and I'm glad you discovered you have Lynch syndrome. And one of the interesting things about Lynch is you can prevent you know obviously prevent the colon cancer. They should do upper endoscopies on you too. Are they? Uh, yes, like I got the good. upper endoscopy and the colonoscopy good. at the same time. Great. And uh, then the only other yeah, thing, felt like one of Tom's uh, hard. Hard mode videos. <laughs> the only the only other thing that you have to worry about um, that there's really not much to be done about, but you're slightly at a risk uh, for is a brain and brain and pancreas. But this we just don't we don't really have anything for that right now. So the main thing is to prevent the colon cancer. Keep an eye on the stomach. Keep an eye on the prostate. Those are all three. You know, those are the ones that are really at higher risk with Lynch. But you might talk. You might ask them which which Lynch sermon you have. Some are not as bad as others. Okay. I'll definitely ask that next time. All right, Michael. Good good call. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Mommy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, jeans. Uh, <laughs> do you care you like that? I do. <laughs> you I, like the sign-offs? I, I do like the uh, the, the YMH throw-ins. The, the jeans and yeah. Queen Above Grade Teen. and <laughs> Uh Tara, or Tara, what's up? Hi, how are you? It's great to talk to you. You as well. Which um, is it, Tara or Tara? Oh, it doesn't ever matter. Oh, I know, but you can tell me anyway. I'm not Adam. <laughs> um, so I recently went out a few dates with a guy who then subsequently told me he's into cuckolding, and I um, just wanted to get some more information about it. Um, you know, can you explain it? Is there a pathology behind it? Um, I don't know, just to get some more information. Uh, I don't have any specific pathology behind it but it 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 doesn't usually exist in a vacuum you know what i mean it's usually something going on and yeah and it usually serves to destabilize relationships unless you're both really into it and even then it, it's you know it's a it's hard enough to keep two people intimate and stable in a relationship when you keep bringing other people in it just it causes instability it causes feelings that aren't expected you know, and mm-hmm. it's, I mean, imagine, you know, you're cooperating with this and all of a sudden some guy, you know, comes into the story here with you and you really dig him. Now what? Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, you don't expect well, I, that. I, 
Yeah. But here it goes. I kind of like thought about it and we had some, you know, couple conversations about it. And um, I, you know, told them I um, ultimately wasn't into it, but I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on it. Uh, I, I asked him, I was like, yeah. yeah what, did, did you notice anything about him? No, but I asked him the reason or why he got into it, and he kind of explained that when he was younger, um, there, he his girlfriend um, cheated on him, and he kind of also thought he knew at the same time and kind of liked that he knew but didn't do anything about it. So my kind of interpretation of that was that it was his way of, um, you know, putting up a wall so he wouldn't get hurt. That's right. So it's a tra- yeah. first of all, it's a traumatic reenactment, right? He was traumatized and yeah. cra- one of the crazy things humans do, they repeat, repeat, repeat. And he may yeah. have and he may have other voyeuristic stuff that came even earlier. That'd be interesting to know if he had that. Or maybe he saw mm-hmm. he got saw some porn he liked or something. And mm-hmm. uh, then I agree with you. It's a way of it's a way of reducing intimacy. It's a way of keeping somebody yeah. at arm's length, so you don't get shocked by cheating because you're in control of the cheating. You're making it yep. happen right there. And yep. in in my experience, you know, this is not everybody with this, and I'm not generalizing, but I've seen a certain amount of um, contempt for the partner. A certain amount. Right for you. Okay. Yeah, it it gets in oh, there. Oh yeah, I I didn't realistically ever think I would be able to do it, but it was the first time someone had ever propositioned me with it, and it was worth a conversation. How long into the relationship before he dropped that one on you? Just curious. Oh, it was it was only two dates. So and would you like had, a would you yeah. like a second drink? Hey, and if we're gonna do this, I'm. <laughs> to bring other guys in. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I was completely <laughs> caught off guard. And I, um, yeah, I was caught off guard to say the least. Tell, uh, tell me about this guy. I'm just so curious. You Don't don't divulge well, confidences, but what kind of guy was he? Well, he, he had said that he tried to date like the quote unquote normal way. And he, um, a couple months in, he realized that he would always want more sexually. And then more than the partner, more and more. Well, yeah, just more sexually. And then when it came time to realizing that he liked the coupling thing, the his partner kind of wasn't into it, and they eventually would break up. Huh. And so then he said, "I started getting into relationships and like telling people in the beginning, so if they weren't into it, they could make that decision right off the bat." Right. Does that make sense? Very, very, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, very courteous. <laughs> very, yeah. very, yeah. Uh, chivalry is not yeah. dead, Gary. Chivalry is not dead. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> He's got, this guy's got style. Um, uh, I, I'm wondering, you know, there's another way into this, which is through sex addiction, right? And he sounds like he mm. might have that kind of stuff, right? He's hyper, hyper, hypersexual and then has to throw something even more thrilling into the action. Does he do drugs, yeah. drugs or drink? Uh, yeah, he had told me when he was younger, he um, did a lot of drugs and he, you know, drinks a good amount. He was um, in the military and he went to Afghanistan. Um, we didn't get into that much detail, but I have a feeling that plays a little bit of yeah. a part into So, So it's kind of a, too. it's, it's um, you know, if we're just running up the red flags <laughs> one after the other. Yeah. You got trauma, uh-huh. then you have extra trauma, you know, then you have PTSD uh-huh. and then you have addiction and now you have sex addiction. I my my bet is even though everything we've said about him is quasi true, probably yeah. the big story here is just addiction. 
That's probably the overarching wow. story. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that that if you were to get his addiction when it, when it spirals out of control, which it probably will, um when he gets it treated, he'll have to deal with all of it, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and then all this will kind of settle down and then he'll have to deal with the trauma and then, you know, then he can get better. But uh, yeah. you know, in the meantime, he's he he got style. He got it, Gary. Yeah, well, it was it was intriguing to say the least. Yeah, the, well, good for you. Good for you for learning for, about it. Yeah, yeah, good for you for learning and being open and uh, yeah, and uh, being kind to a man of service. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you in a relationship now? Did that you know everything kind of? No, work? that's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm dating, and are, we had two great dates. And I was super into him, and then he springs this so, on me. So, so interesting. <laughs> so, what's your relationship history? Um, I, I haven't been. Um, about ten and a half years ago, I was engaged, and I broke off the engagement. Um, I have been single since then for a long time. I had a a year relationship, almost a year relationship, about a year ago, and I ended things with him because he didn't want to progress in the relationship and he didn't want kids, and I guess I should have found that out, you know, earlier on in yeah. the relationship. Maybe, and, maybe just ask, you know, you know, straight that second date, are you into cuckolding? Into kids? <laughs> do, you, do you want kids? What, what's oh what's your God, thing? <laughs> I'm learning so much about dating now, what I should ask <laughs> when I should ask it. <laughs> Well, why not early? I have, you know what? Why not early? Why waste time? I mean, it, it's not like you guys are in your early twenties. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone's yeah, a, everyone's a grown yeah. up here. And and, uh, and why did you end the um, the uh, uh, my COVID the engagement? Brain? The engagement. Yes, I I would don't think I was ever in love with him. I don't think I, I don't think I ever wanted to get married. I don't know if I want to get married now, but I I met him when I was nineteen. I never knew who I was as a person, you know, so we dated for like seven years. Um, so it was always like me and him. It was never. And immediately when I ended things with him and I broke up with him, I like found myself. I and mean, it sounds kind of corny, but that's what happened. Well, but I, I'm curious why you, the reason I'm asking these questions, we're going on mm-hmm. this path is, you know, why you would be so I, I get this guy may be a nice guy and sort of exciting, but what, you know, when you watch your watch your radar a little bit, that you'd be intrigued. Oh to a guy. yes, I I yeah. I go to therapy on a weekly basis, and we are finding some patterns in my okay. dating. Yeah, so I'm guessing my, yeah. dad dad alcoholic or something like that. No, no, I um, I don't know what it is. I think I tend to feel uh, very empathetic and like I want I want to fix people. I'm a nurse, so like I, I'm a fixer. Right, right. What kind of nursing? So you do? I don't know. What, what kind of nursing? I just I just started a new job three weeks ago. I'm an OR nurse now. In in the operating room, not not yeah, well. Post. I'm training for it, right. and I'm in the operating room. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I have a bunch of surgeons yelling at you. It's great. I love it. I absolutely love good. it. It's good. It's it's a it's a great job. Um, yeah. But but uh, again, you know, all this co- and this is what I was sort of zeroing in on, which is all this codependency. Are we sure mm-hmm. some, are we we sure somebody wasn't sick or an alcoholic or something in your family, your parents, grandparents? Well, no, I I mean my parents had a horrible marriage, but I've always said I've been grateful that they didn't drink or do drugs or smoke or anything. My mom's side of the family, there there's a huge mental illness and addiction on that side. So uh. we know that there's 
there's something. Uh-huh. There's genetically, there's stuff. But again, I mean, but, she would be attracted to somebody with some interesting features, meaning your dad. So Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Like, my, my dad doesn't drink now. He hasn't had a drink in probably 15 years. He um, is that because that he, is that because he uh, no he got sick no he he had a um he went into cardiac arrest Jesus, and then he had a pacemaker what? put in coronary so. disease um uh, no he was he is the healthiest person I know he was had no blockages um come to find <laughs> out it was some genetic disorder Oof. a very rare genetic disorder like a like and a we all had like a, all had a, to get tested a rhythm for it. like a reentrant thing a rhythm problem yeah yeah, yeah. he had AFib and yeah. um. But it, it was, he was like in and out of the hospital in seven days and everyone called him the miracle man. He had wow. a, pa- he has a pacemaker um, and he's great now. And, but, and again, just, just, you know. he, he didn't stop drinking because the drinking was out of control. Cause when you say, I've been drinking no, 15 years. He, okay. All right. No, because even before that he would maybe have a beer every so often, yeah. you know, I mean, I know my parents did drugs and drank when they were younger. They grew up in the seventies and they talk about it now, but. I don't. I really, truly don't think there was ever. All right. Anyway, an issue doesn't, with that. I, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to. You know, overlead the witness and drill no, into I, hard on this. Yeah. Thing. yeah. But but you clearly something like that is you know operating with you where it comes from doesn't really matter, right? I mean, just you got to just yeah. sort of deal with it and and uh, work on. You, you know, <laughs> drug addicts and sociopaths are very entertaining and very exciting. Not great in relationships. Yeah. Generally, not great in relationships. Yeah. So. I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck, and thanks for okay. doing well, the nursing. Thank you. Have you had your vaccine you yet? Much. You had your vaccine? No, I actually had COVID in uh, December. December. So you're only a couple months out. So soon, though. Yeah, I will eventually get it. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm yeah. going to do. Okay. Thanks, Tara. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Uh, interesting call. Well, you've heard me talk about BetterHelp before. BetterHelp is customized online therapy, video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera. You don't want to. And I've referred many people now for BetterHelp services, and it's been great. It's been a useful tool for motivation, depression, anxiety, stress, insecurity, dealing with COVID and isolation. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with the therapist within 48 hours. There's also a lower threshold. You don't have to go wait in anybody's office or see anybody coming out and awkwardly pass them in the hall. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really all about. It may or may not be for you, but it's worth looking into because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp and Dr. Drew listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Drew. Again, that is betterhelp.com slash Drew. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash D-R-E-W. Did you know that aging actually begins in our cells? Many aspects of our daily life can influence how our trillions of cells perform and ultimately how we age. Age-associated cellular decline, or AACD, is the time-related deterioration in the way our cells function as we age, beginning in our 40s and accelerating in our 60s. Over time, our cellular processes become less efficient, which can contribute to things like fatigue, reduced muscle strength, impaired cellular defenses, important at a time like this. To help address these changes, try incorporating nutrients that work on the cellular level into your wellness routine. Celtriant Cellular Nutrition is a breakthrough nutritional product with cellular nutrients to target cellular performance. 
Celtriant is the first brand to provide a range of cellular nutrients, including nicotinamide riboside, urolithin A, and glycine plus N-acetylcysteine. These help combat key sources of age-associated cellular decline. Visit Celtriant.com, C-E-L-L-T-R-I-E-N-T, Celtriant.com for more info. And to find out which Celtriant products are right for you, go to Celtriant.com, use code DrDrew10, D-R-D-R-E-W-10, for a 10% discount uh christy what's going on hi hey there. uh nice to talk to you and everything i've been uh, listening to you on the h3 podcast with trisha paytas ah. hilarious amazing you're wonderful they're too funny i just sent them an email i sh- i felt like now that i've had covid i should go in there and uh, meet them in person and see if i feel any different you know when i'm around them uh, be very interesting. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would love to Ta- have Do me a favor. Hear Could, you have- I should send him an yeah. email right now. Uh, just checking to see that he got it. Okay, so what's going on? All right. So I know there have been a lot of different opinions at the beginning of the pandemic of it just being the flu. And now that you've kind of had it, I was actually uh, just listening to your podcast with uh, Josh Portner. And then I went on Twitter just to kind of like see how you were doing with COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. And I saw that uh, you were taking questions. So I was like, well, I'm going to sure. call in and just well, kind of see uh, how your opinions have kind of evolved from the beginning of the pandemic when it was first reported uh, throughout so, the Trump yeah. administration and yeah. then uh, considering so, you've had it now. Yeah. So thank you for, for asking the question because it's a little complicated. Uh so initially, my, I, I became upset. We're talking about one year ago, like February of last year. I, I saw that something was happening in Wuhan, China, and I saw the press whipping up a just a panic. They were just hell-bent. They started immediately with the words grim and staggering, and they immediately started with those words that we've now heard 10,000 times. And I thought, oh, my God, they're, they're going to take – control of this and mandate things that are not necessary are going to hurt people. And I just kept saying, shut up, shut up, listen to the CDC, listen to Dr. Fauci. Remember, I would say, he's your North Star, lead him through this. Gary, you have a comment? Yeah, if you Google Dr. Drew COVID February 2020, you can find a very animated Dr. Drew on a local morning show, Yeah, just absolutely losing his mind. Yeah. It's, it's a good and, video. And, and, and it was about <laughs> this, time, right? At the time, it was that was the prevailing. Well, here's what I got wrong. Uh, I got wrong. I, I kept saying uh, what I kept saying was we had a pandemic ten years ago with H one N one. I got that it was terrible. It killed three hundred thousand people. You don't even know what happened. You don't even know that happened. So don't let's now go from zero to a thousand. Let's come up with something reasonable in response to this thing. Let Doctor Fauci do it. Listen to Doctor Fauci. I've been working. I I got in radio because of Fauci. He was in 1984 telling us young physicians we had to get out there and educate about AIDS. And I took it very seriously. And that's why I got on radio. It motivated me to do that. And I've had my eye on him forever. He is exquisite. I know he's controversial. I know people don't like him. I'm telling you, that's the guy you listen to. So I just kept saying that. Um, And in retrospect now, when I think about – so I got wrong – I kept comparing it with the flu, which was a false comparison. It's different. Um, so that was a mistake. And I didn't quite get the infectivity. I, I knew it wouldn't kill 2 million people, but I, I just thought they'd overstated it so drastically. I wanted to wait and see what Fauci said. 
And if you look at the timeline of what I announced, what I was saying, when he said – he went on one day and said, this is not the flu. That's when I <laughs> – that day I changed my tune. Uh, but it was a false. It was a false comparison. I never should have made it in the first place. And I apologize. I apologize for for getting wrong the the voracious the voraciousness of the illness in certain populations and the infectivity in, in uh, generally. I, I got the infectivity a little wrong. But I but I adjusted course. I, it's called a you know you adjust your priors. It's Bayesian reasoning. And then mm-hmm. I did a stream and a nightly talk show, nightly uh, news broadcast. Every day from then on, talking about this illness and sort of updating constantly and learning about it. And I'm sure I had different – I'm sure my ideas have evolved over the time in ways I can't even like think of now. But going back to February, here's – now when I look at what I was doing, here's the other thing that concerned me, that the press was mandating a response that had, invented, had been invented by – um, what's President Chinese Xi's, Communist Party? But what's President Xi's official title? General Secretary General Secretary General Xi invented that response: lockdowns, cleaning the streets. There's no infectious disease tech book on Earth that recommends that. You won't even hear social distancing. Lockdown doesn't exist. These are, these things had never existed before, and we had this press that was saying, look at what they're doing. We've got to do that. I thought, oh my God, we're letting the Chinese Communist Party dictate our infectious disease pandemic policy? This is insane. Well, it came. And guess what? We did it. Now, when we did it, I thought, all right, um, these, these governors are having to make tough choices. They're preparing for the worst case. Let's get behind them. But then when it became clear that the worst case, you know, what they were doing was making things worse, then I became kind of critical of some of these policies, and I remain critical so, to this day. So how do you feel that uh, the lockdowns and everything, how do you feel that that's made things worse? I, I think at the, at the beginning, we didn't know, and okay, okay. But when the mm-hmm. World Health Organization came out and said, please, no more lockdowns, they make things worse. That was where they did that about four months ago, and that was when I got more vocal. Uh, and every and this idea that we can do things to control the outbreaks is a fool's errand. We don't really know why it goes up, and we don't really know why it goes down. However, people naturally reduce their social interaction when they see an outbreak. We're, we're not dumb. We we stay inside. We minimize our you know our socialization. We follow the. We do the things we need to do to protect ourselves. My son, who's had COVID is right now driving across country, and he's been in a bunch of different states. And he said, you know what? Regardless what the state policy is, everyone's behaving pretty much the same. People are not frequenting restaurants on the inside. People are not out in the streets. People are not going to bars. They're just – wherever you go, the behavior is pretty much the same regardless of the state policy. So I I hate the idea of the state – you know, mandating things that are unnecessary. It's just the most bizarre thing in the world that they are so into these mandates that are gigantic overreaches of their authority uh, and and no science to back it up, really, and good evidence that it gets worse. Transmission happens in the home. The only place I transmitted COVID was where I was locked down with my family, to my son. The, I, nobody else got it from me. I checked all my contacts. Nobody got it, and I'm very concerned about lockdowns. I think I think you know closing bars, closing large gatherings. Like these are all good things. I think that's right. I think masks are great. I think it's all great. But these extreme measures, shelter in place. That was back when we had 
couple thousand cases in Los Angeles, and and mm-hmm. we we were sheltered in our homes. It is bizarre. It's bizarre that they did that to us. And and well, now I think and now the mental I, health consequences are just profound. I'm getting calls every day. Uh, suicidal teenagers, drug overdoses. It's the the and especially the school closure. Which, by the way, pretty much every country that quote locked down kept their schools open as a quote essential service. Uh, so we're the only ones that really did that. Really, certainly as long as we did it, and that will probably be the most serious misadventure of this whole thing. Right. Well, and I understand with the mental health and everything. I mean, yeah. uh, my Oof. boyfriend uh, passed away Ugh. to uh, suicide Ugh. in May. Um, so I Ugh. totally get that mental health aspect and everything. And, but and, I think uh, also part of the strict lockdown in the beginning was because we didn't know what we were fighting. Yeah, we didn't I know transmissibility. The, no, we didn't know lethality correct. because we didn't. We were lacking tests. No, we didn't Chrissy, have tests. How I, are you I, supposed to know how many people in a population are getting something well, without tests and everything? Well, we, we knew. We, it turned out we got it right. But, Christy, you're correct. I completely agree with you. And that's why I said that's why I went with it because they were preparing for the worst. They didn't really know. But they in you're in Arizona. In California – They've maintained it to this day. They've, they've, we've lightened up and then gone right back down again with no clear impact on anything other than people's mental health and cognitive development and stuff like that. So, and when the state medical official was pressed on this issue, he said, well, I have to do something. And doing something is the most dangerous thing a doctor can do. That's how doctors kill patients. That's how, how iatrogenesis happens. I got to do something. Well, sometimes doing something makes things a lot worse, and that's what's happening here. Now, I will tell but you— But if you think about the pr- potential pros versus cons, you know, risks and reward and everything, yes, you know, yes. having people work at home, the, the alternative being, you know, lots of people get sick, we run out of hospital beds. I feel like the alternative of just people staying inside and home is minimal compared to the potential consequences. That's presuming that it does that. We really don't know that that's the case, but I. But I'm fine. Well, if I'm standing, if I'm sitting in my home, or I'm sitting in my home, or you know, working from home, I mean, logic dictates. Logic you know, dictates, the, the virus isn't going to travel from my house to my neighbor's house. Except the science is, you're most likely to get it in your home. That's where all the transmission is happening in the home. Right, but if I am then going out because people, I mean, it's because it's in the home because people are staying home. <laughs> They're not going to work. Right, but I They're went. I went out. I was working. That. I was working right up to the point I got sick. Didn't transmit it to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's, that's not to say I'm a spreader. Great. There's some people maybe spread. Yeah. Yeah, but the point uh, is, my nephew, my nephew, uh, they've been you know going to school. They are in Queen Creek out here, and they haven't been shutting down anything. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's so many kids getting this disease and they're only sitting next to each other for an hour in class or mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. And two of my nephews got it, passed on my sister who just had surgery, getting part of her liver resection, so you know, what? yada, yada. What it was is the just, liver? Why was the liver it, resection? It, Why'd she have a liver resection? Uh, she had uh, growth growing on there, mm. and uh, they weren't sure if it was cancer. They weren't even sure if it was coming from her stomach or oh, not. Boy. So, yeah, so she got COVID, and she's still struggling with the uh, repercussions from that. Well, that's what I want. Uh, that's what I want to say. Have, what did it end up being on your liver? The, your sister's liver. Ah, it was something benign. Uh, we were so glad it wasn't Good. malignant or anything. Um, 
So, so here's the, so this is I you know I haven't finished my little diatribe. And, and by the way, everything you're saying I I don't disagree with. This is this is a this is a healthy conversation that people should be having. I completely get it. I the my, my thing would be there should be a middle road. There should be some mm-hmm. kind of middle road where a certain amount of individual choice is involved and a certain amount of public health mandate. I think the public health people should be really pushing how to do telehealth, how to stay out of the hospital, what are good treatment practices for it. Because people don't have any idea. Doctors don't have any idea what they should be doing for this thing. It's uncanny to me how uninformed physicians are. I, I keep talking about the monoclonal antibody infusion that I had. Almost none of my peers have heard of it, and it, it saved me from going in the hospital. But the other thing I wanted to say is the um, – the morbidity of this thing has been underestimated, under underemphasized, and what your sister is going through, what I'm going through, it's it is a brutal illness. It is miserable, and it's making people remain sick for many months and disabled and impaired. I feel impaired all the time, and no one's really talking about that. And that may be as high as ten or ten or twenty percent. That may be a lot of people. So that's that part has not been properly emphasized. I would argue. I I 100% agree, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was talking about, oh, lethality is nothing, you know, it's, you know, slightly higher than the Mm -hmm. flu, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. But that was at the beginning of the pandemic. People weren't talking about the long-term health effects of lung function, heart function, organ failure, all that stuff. stuff. And I I agree, it's been a huge failure on the part of, you know, physicians, everybody, for not discussing that. and, And back to our conversation about working and schools and home and stuff, if people really were appraised of that risk, they'd be more likely to reduce their social contacts, right? People aren't dumb. People kind of, they mm-hmm. do what's appropriate. But um, I, I, you know, people, you know, one of the, the things for me that caught my attention to people like, were you scared? Were you scared when I was sick? I was like, scared? It's a 1% fatality. My, why would I be scared? That's zero. That's not going to happen. But, um, but the morbidity, well, did, I wasn't even aware of the percentage of that really, and or really what it really meant. It was just sort of long haulers and people have a cough for a little while. No, no, no. It's it's disabling. Mm-hmm. It's it's it is miserable. And hopefully we'll have some treatments for it. I just started something called fluvoxamine that has really helped me. Uh, you can tell your sister to maybe talk to her doctor about it. Really, really, really helped if she has a lot of neurological symptoms, which I sure do. But Christy, this is a healthy conversation, humbly, and we should be looking at this and learning from it and talking about it and and sharing notes to how different states dealt with it because Arizona dealt with it very differently than California. We sort of – I don't know what it was like to be in Arizona because it was wide open for a while and then it was completely locked down, right? Oh, yeah. We've been yo-yoing. Right. And and I'm not sure that's a good idea. So you finish – I don't think I've heard your full thought on this yet. So go ahead. Finish your uh, assessment. Well, I just – you know, I agree that we need to have a middle road in everything, but uh, it's – it feels like an attack on scientists and doctors and studies and everything on in the general population of people. And it's so frustrating. It, it, you know, yeah, it has that. been. And, and you should know, though, it's not just in the general population. I'm getting deplatformed. I nearly got deplatformed on YouTube for talking to a doctor about the current science and current literature uh, that's available on uh, on this disease. He and I are he and I will talk of it once in a while on a streaming show and just share notes on what we've seen and what the literature showing and some of the kind of cool science that's out there and you know what helps people and what doesn't. Nearly got deplatformed for that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yeah? Cool? And it's 
crazy. It, it's, it's absolutely crazy on, you know, either end. Mm. Yes. E- we exactly. just, we've I, all got to kind of get to a point where we can agree on these are the facts here. Yeah. Uh, you know what, <laughs> I hate the term fake news because it implies the fact that news is can be fake. If it's fake, it's not news. <laughs> like, I right. hate that whole rhetoric there. Well, but let's so be, think, let's agree, and I think we'll both agree on this, it exists on both sides. It's all, oh, it's all over the place. I, when you sit in the middle and you look, you go, holy shit, it's all crazy. My God. Absolutely. Yeah. No, 100% agree. So, all right, Christy, thanks for that call. Really interesting. Thank you. All right, you got it. I think most people know I'm a huge fan of Public Rec. They make leisure wear in waist and inseam sizes that makes it so comfortable, better fit. The pockets are just the right depth, and you can close them. And the pockets in the back where you put your wallet, and they look like slacks. They really look good, and they are stretchy and good and comfortable, and I wear them all the time. The all-day, everyday pant comes in waist and in inseam sizing, as I said. So they, no matter what your size, they get it right for you. They come in nine different colors, one for each day of the week, and then some. Now, you can get your whole wardrobe from Public Rec. They have incredibly comfortable shorts, t-shirts, polos, hoodies, jackets, even golf gear. I am an enthusiast. I love Public Rec. They they think it through. They they think what the guys want, and they particularly for leisure wear and for just hanging out, they get it just right. Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now they have an exclusive offer just for Dr. Drew listeners. Go to Public Rec. That's public, the word P-U-B-L-I-C, Rec, R-E-C, publicrec.com slash Drew. Use promo code Dr. Drew. It's the word doctor spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R, Dr. Drew, and you will get 10% off that is public rec rec and use our promo code doctor with the entire word spelled out d-o-c-t-o-r dr drew and you'll get 10 percent off pants that you'll you will thank me you'll thank me you will you trust me hey everybody i'm going to speak again to my friend dr noel reed board certified family physician and consulting physician for celtriant cellular nutrition she and i have been having a, a little series here on the celtriant products and uh very interesting stuff. I really, I do believe we should be paying a lot of attention to our cellular health, particularly as we age. And Celtrin has another product that is designed to help protect as we age, correct? That is correct. So thanks for having me, Dr. You Drew. bet. Welcome back. So when we talk about protection, I think we should maybe speak briefly about free radicals. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear that a lot, and I think a lot of people don't really understand what that even means, mm-hmm. you know? And so free radicals have a big, they can have a big impact on how our cells age. And while some level of free radicals are normal, XX amounts can contribute to speeding up our body's aging process from within, so at the cellular level. So just to define, free radicals are molecules with lone electrons without a pair. And they seek out other electrons to latch onto and attempt to stabilize themselves. So damage can be caused when free radicals steal electrons from other otherwise stable molecules like cell membranes, DNA, or protein. And this can lead to molecules becoming damaged and unstable. So an imbalance of oxidative stress can manifest itself in many different ways. So that's where we may see premature fine lines and wrinkles that we don't want, (laughs) fatigue, muscle weakness, impaired immunity, right? So sources of, of, of this would include pollution, excess sun exposure, smoking, diet high in fat and sugar, um, excess alcohol consumption. So making a few changes to our lifestyle is certainly important. So eating healthy, not smoking, uh, wearing our SPF. 
Uh, but it's important to take steps to ensure that you're keeping your antioxidant levels in balance and to help protect yourselves from oxidative stress. So this is where antioxidants come in, right? So antioxidants are molecules that help to fight these free radicals and combat this oxidative damage. So I think most of us are aware of the typical antioxidants, right? Like vitamin C, vitamin E, selenium that we can get from, you know, our diets or carrots, citrus fruits, whole grains. But there's another antioxidant that uh, Dr. Drew, many people may not know about, and that's glutathione. I know you're you're familiar with that. I, I am. It's It's been coming up quite a bit, particularly in the cell protection and aging literature. Yes. So in anti-aging, we hear about this a lot. Um, glutathione is what we consider our master antioxidant. So it helps protect ourselves from oxidative stress. It also is important for mitochondrial health, detoxification, and normal immune function. So essentially, glutathione helps to neutralize the destructive free radicals, and that helps to safeguard or protect ourselves. So unfortunately, as we get older, guess what? Glutathione levels decrease. <laughs> so we have glutathione naturally in our cells, intracellularly, but as we get older, they, they decrease and the amino acids that are needed to build glutathione also decrease. Mm-hmm. And so the Protect product addresses that. Exactly. So incorporating a product like Sotrient Cellular Protect can help provide those, um, those needed amino acids, the building blocks for glutathione. So Sotrient Cellular Protect contains glycine and N-acetylcysteine. So these are essential amino acids that you can't get you can't get from the diet. And these are the building blocks for glutathione. So when the building blocks of glutathione are in adequate supply, the cell can make as much glutathione as it needs in response to changing levels of oxidative stress. Um, so Sotrient Cellular Protect um, is a dietary supplement that comes in both a capsule and drink mixed in powder form. And the drink form actually also contains vitamin E, which, as we know, acts as a free radical scavenger. And it also contains vitamin C, riboflavin, zinc, and selenium, which all help to support glutathione synthesis as well. And immune function. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Dr. Reed, thank you so much for sharing this product with us and uh, explaining the science behind it. No problem. Thanks for having me again. And visit Celtrient.com for more information. Take a short quiz under Find Your Celtrient tab. Discover which Celtrient products fit your needs. Use that code Dr. Drew 10 at checkout for a 10% discount. Uh, Brad, what's going on, Brad? Hey, Dr. Drew. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. So um, my right testicle has been aching me for close to a week now. I'm on mm-hmm. day five. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have uh, a doctor or insurance or anything like that, but I'm not. Uh, I'm getting a little worried about it because it's not getting any better. So let's think about what the most cost-efficient thing to do would be. Um, you need, you'd be best if you could see a urologist. Okay. okay, and if you can go to a teaching institution, like I'm sure University of Wisconsin, are you are you in uh, near the University Medical School? Uh, I'm not sure where it's at. I'm about 45 minutes south of Milwaukee, though. All right, so it's got to be around there somewhere. It's got to be something around there, and see if the Department of Urology has any county functions or cash or anything where you can get uh, sort of prorated or reduced rate. Uh, evaluation or see the residents or the fellows, anything like that would be fine because you're probably going to need an ultrasound of the testing. The the two most common things that do this, well, three, A, nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. B, B is like a cystocele or a spermatocele, some sort of little growth in there that's also kind of nothing. Uh, but the third is a little more serious, which is called torsion, 
where the testy kind of twists on itself and it can cut off its own blood supply. That really hurts. So if it starts to really hurt like that, you got to go to the emergency room or at least an urgent care center. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's not it's not super painful. I mean, I would give it a one on a scale of ten. I, I, I get I mean, it. it I, I get it. It could yeah. also be something called epididymitis. You know, you can get it, or even prostatitis, and they they can just give you. Do you have any kind of doctor that you could see? Uh, I have uh, no, not in no. a while. Because because sometimes just putting somebody on antibiotics for a week does the trick, and you can avoid everything. Um, okay. So that that's I mean that's another so, kind of cheap slop shot way of doing it. You just go on antibiotics for ten days, and if it gets better, that's the end of it. I'm not sure if this is anything or not, but it did. Uh, we got a, a bunch of snow here uh, five days ago, and yeah. I had to do some pretty vigorous uh, shoveling of said snow. Yeah, and uh, I. I don't know if maybe that contributed to it, uh, if that should worry me less. I, I don't know. Mm, no, it doesn't really change anything, but it also adds in, well, could there be a hernia there, you know, irritating things. So it would be good if somebody could look at that. So it just adds more stuff, but it all, it all, but it's all pretty benign. It all really is all very benign. But uh, it can get okay. very painful and very swollen sometimes, so you don't want to just pretend <laughs> it's not happening. You can also just check around at some of the urologist offices and say, "Hey, can I get a cash rate? You know, because there's sure. can I see somebody for fifty bucks? Which I, I somebody might go for. Okay. Well, look, if I gotta if I gotta see a doctor, I'll figure out a way to pay for it. I just wanted okay. to ask you if that's exactly what I should be looking to uh, do. Ideally, right now. a urologist. Ideally, a urologist. You got it. Okay. All right, man. Take care. All right. Thanks, bud. Bye. Uh, DeMarco. Yes, hello? Hey. Hey, um, uh, my question was, is, um, insecurities, well, being insecure, can it be a mental health problem? What do you mean by insecure? Um, being anxious about everything and not trusting other people. Well, that, that's definitely mental health stuff. Um, usually, you know, you, it could be a generalized anxiety disorder. It could be social anxiety, right? These are diagnosable conditions. And uh, usually when trust is severely hampered, it's because of some sort of interpersonal childhood trauma. So the first thing would be that you have trauma when you're growing up. Um, yes. Okay. So this is more about childhood trauma and not insecurity. And trauma or adverse childhood experiences can be treated. Uh, and if you're having anxiety because of that trauma, that can be treated too. Yes. And if, if you learn – I mean when I work with people with stuff like this, one of my goals always is to teach you – we'll just talk to you, DeMarco – that you yeah. can you can tr- you can get close to somebody, meaning me as your doctor, and you can be close and stay close and be okay, and thereby learn to trust and thereby learn to regulate your emotions, and then that kind of attachment that you form to a professional, then you can take that out into the world and start at kind of attaching to friends and family and other people without being so overwhelmed by distrust and anxiety. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Can that happen with uh, relationships to somebody that's not professional? With it can. Yeah, it can. It's a great question. And it can. But if you've had bad trauma and, and bad trust issues, more often than not, you'll either pick somebody that re-traumatizes you or is also kind of distance. You never really get the closeness. 
Uh, that's just natural when you have this kind of trauma. So if you can if you can forge into a secure attachment with somebody who is healthy, um, yeah, it can really be a good thing. It certainly would help. Um, I, I I often, you know, when I try to like write about this, I'll often say, you know, twelve steps does that, right? Twelve step programs. That's how they do that. They that's essentially a guided intimate relationship with the sponsor, and that guiding that those so called twelve steps gives people who've had a lot of trauma and a lot of trust issues the ability to get in and share with somebody else. But in that situation, the sponsor is somebody who's also been through it and also been through the steps. So you have some assurances that they have kind of a understanding of what's going on. So you're not sort of entering in with somebody that may not get what you're trying to do, right? Yes. But get a professional. Yes. Why not? I mean, so there are armies available now. Why not? Right. Armies of people out there to help you, DeMarco. To, to take advantage of it. And and the trauma therapies sometimes require other things too, you know, EMDR and neurobiofeedback and things to help rewire the brain uh, to kind of just um, – can you remember the neurobiofeedback anxiety disorder clinic lady I worked with? I wish I could remember her name, Gary. It's – I'm giving you no guidance here. It was about two, maybe three years ago. Um I think it would have been the title would have been about anxiety because that's originally what we started talking about. But she doesn't. She did neurobiofeedback, and you can listen to that podcast where we sort of talked about the amazing results she was having by just using these computers. Where essentially you just listen to clicks in your ears. Believe it or not, this is a computer setup that helps rewire the brain in such a way that we can access these traumatized parts and regulate them. I'm not saying this is it, but I'm hoping to spark your memory, Doctor Shelley Yaram. I can't remember. Where does she work? Do you have? Does it say where she? I remember it was like a. It was somewhere in the valley, an anxiety center. The Meadows? No, it wasn't her. Different, different, different. But that may have been a trauma conversation, and uh, you, you can listen to the conversation I had with Sue Johnson about emotionally focused therapy, and again entering these frames of closeness, which is a lot of the challenge of therapy, which is just getting people into the frame, staying in the frame processing and regulating in that frame so they use literally demarco you use if let's say it's you and me you would use my brain to heal your brain that's literally how that's what what that is doing um yeah don't worry gary it's not that big a deal it's a, I, if i could remember i just can't at covid you'll be, i know you'll be back here punching weight in uh, no time i know it's i'm telling you 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 may not see it but better. i get to see you every few days at or a week and it's, it, it is improving it's the fluvoxamine man that because i was shitty this morning i was not good and how, uh, i know you're still sort of experimenting with it but yeah. how how uh which reminds me i need my second dose. <laughs> how close ahead. to if someone recovered a few from having it a few months ago, yeah. would you still advocate for it? I know that I would because that's really the. I mean, look, I'm eight, seven weeks now. Um, I have someone who's a little further out who I'm thinking of. Uh, I there once you're well from three weeks to three months, I sort of represent that category. Okay? okay, so anyone in that window, I would say, well, it worked for Drew. It might work for you. Talk to your doctor. Three months and beyond is technically chronic COVID, and that might be a different thing. This is so, someone who's probably right on the edge of that three months, maybe four, but is by all accounts largely back further than you even. You know, the cognitive – Feeling better. Feeling better, a younger uh, – What's the primary – and by the way, age doesn't matter with the post stuff. Really? Yeah. I didn't the, know the, that. 
the uh, post-COVID is, is affecting 20-year-olds with mild COVID. They get these post-syndromes that are nasty. Yeah, this is uh, late 30s, yeah. and uh, she finally feels like the cognitive stuff is starting to lift. Yeah. Physical, that- physical lifted a while ago. So are the cognitive is her main thing? The cognitive is finally starting to dissipate, but it was the last thing to go. Yeah. See, that to me is the main purpose of the fluvoxamine. Yeah, if you have a pulmonary thing or you have weakness, I'm not sure it will do that. But if you don't like – if you feel like you've been hit in the head, this is your thing. And, and who knows? Maybe one day we'll use it for head injuries or something. I don't know. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for calling in. Really interesting calls today. Um, calls have been great uh, lately, and I do appreciate them. And uh, we've got some great guests coming up. And uh, thank you all for supporting the show. And again, I'll remind you to head over to drdrew.com, drdrew.tv, uh, Facebook, Dr. Drew, Twitch, uh, twitch.tv, at drdrew.tv, I think it's called, and uh, Periscope. Uh, and then if you want to be brave and you go to YouTube where I might get deplatformed, Please uh, also join me at drdrew.locals.com. That's a subscription site, but you don't have to be a subscriber for me to be able to communicate with you if you sign up there. And uh, if I get deplatformed or something from YouTube, I can then communicate you t- with you and tell you where we're ending up. And we will be st- we're going to start to stream at Locals one of these days, they're telling me. So I'll add that in the whole stream here, whole thing. Uh, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device.